Welcome in to another episode of Inside Boxing Live. I am Dan Canobio. He is the former world champion, Chris Christopher, the fighting collegian, Algieri. We're gearing up for another fight weekend. Regis Progre defending his title against Devin Haney. We'll have a full preview there. We have some headlines out of the boxing world. Canelo, there's a report out there about his uh, 2024 opponents, and you may not like who was up uh, for a fight with Canelo in May, but you may will like who was going to be fighting in September if this report is true and also some Amanda Serrano news so we'll we'll have a lot to handle and tackle on this episode Chris how are you my friend I'm good I'm good we uh we got some good topics today I'm excited for this weekend's fight so uh, a lot of good things boxing is is finishing the year strong still still putting out good good fights still putting out bangers for the next couple of weeks so uh I'm ha- you know, you know me. When boxing is is alive and well, I'm very happy. Yeah, it's fight season. I'm heading to a wedding this weekend in Orlando. Season. I'm gonna miss. Oof. I'm gonna wedding miss season. the fight. I'm heading to Orlando, but I miss the fight. Like you know, I'm not gonna be able to watch it from the luxury of my apartment and really cover it. But you know, with the zone, I'm gonna have to order it and watch it from the dance floor, which hmm. I've done before. I've done I, that I before have as well. Andy Ruiz, when he knocked out Anthony Joshua, card that you fought on, Chris. I was at Griggs' wedding, our friend Jason Griggs. Oh, yeah. I was in Las Vegas for that, and during their first dance, I'm watching it on my phone, and that's when Joshua goes down for the first time, and I yelled out, oh, during the first dance, and a bunch of people (laughs) turned and looked at me, and I I had to play it off. I was like, just so emotional. (laughs) So emotional. You guys are great. I love love. I love love. I love love. So I, and I ran off to the side, and I see the one of the biggest upsets in the history of of heavyweight boxing. So, so you missed my fight. Is that what you're telling? No, I watched. Yo, dude, I watched yours while I was getting ready. Oh, uh, that's cool. My fight was. I was an awesome. Fight. I, I was Coyle. so pissed that 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 upset happened because yeah. it stole my shine. I thought I was going to steal the card, and then that that happened. No one will ever remember that fight now. I watched it, bro. That that delivered uh, or or made one of the most infamous photos. Your the photo that you share. Uh, you know, you saw you want to be a fighter. Yeah. So you want that's the so you want to be a fighter breaking blood, your nose in the first round. Blood. That's why we say don't blow your nose in the ring after you get punched in the nose. Both eyes get black. We learn. See, we learn something on this podcast. Don't yeah. blow your nose after you break it. I thought everybody knew this. This is like a thing. You never you're never supposed to blow your nose after you get hit in the nose because what happens is a lot of times if you have fractures in your nasal nasals, it'll fill up with air and yeah. then blood. It's so. a- this is, this is not advice for the everyman. This is advice for professional uh, boxers. Yeah, it's definitely for a boxer. But listen, if you're in a street fight, don't don't blow out. That's <laughs> why you see guys that I pop right out. Damn. That was you. Created a great photo. Oh, it was on the back yeah. of your book. Back of my book. Got people, a dub. Like, people, I, I post that photo today and people are like, oh my God, I hope you're okay. I'm like, this was four years no, ago. Oh, yeah, you posted it and Panic <laughs> came up to me. You see that photo that Chris posted? I was like, what yeah. happened to him? I was like, that was four years ago. And that's like, you know, what, the basis of one of his books. And he's like, oh. Oh, can we get can we go out to a steak dinner? <laughs> so next time you That's come awesome. to New York, Panic, we're going to a steak dinner. Hell yeah, I like Panic. Guys, he makes great content. He does He's pumping out football content. All right, so let's get into some boxing content. Was a few headlines before we get to Regis Progre and Devin Haney preview. Uh, Amanda Serrano made some headlines this week. She relinquished her WBC belt. Uh, because the WBC will not recognize 12 three-minute rounds. She put out a pretty lengthy statement, um, but the gist of it is, moving forward, if a sanctioning body doesn't want to give me and follow fighters the choice to fight the same as the men, then I will not be fighting for that sanctioning body. The WBC has refused to evolve the sport for equality, so I'm relinquishing their title. Thank you to sanctioning bodies who have evolved for equality. If you want to face me in the ring, you have a choice. I've made mine. 
Interesting move from Serrano. I think it was more of a statement than an actual um, uh, move in the ring because she, she won those titles. She's undisputed forever in the record books. That was a big-time uh, thing that she wanted to accomplish, big-time goal for her. And now she can move on to money fights. I think she has two or three fights left. One of them has to be Katie Taylor. It's a big money fights. So it's, an, it's a move to be a leader, which she is. You may not agree with the two-minute rounds or three-minute rounds, but I think it was the right move for Serrano. Put some pressure on the WBC. Listen, she she's elevated herself beyond just the titles. At this point, you know, like you said, she doesn't have that many fights left. She's she's in the money grab stage of her career, the twilight, which is where a lot of us make our most of our money anyway. We get to a certain status. Um, and you know, in the beginning, you're just so hungry to, to be a world champion, to be champion, win belts, make history. She's done all that. She doesn't need the WBC. And this is she's you know, she's being smart. She's hitting them where it hurts because now they're not gonna get her sanctioning fees. And she's going to be making. She makes more money than anyone else is going to be fighting for that title next in line. So yeah, that that that's that's a definitely a blow to WBC. Um, she's making a stand. She's making a statement. There's arguments on both sides for the three minutes, the twelve rounds, the ten minutes. I and and there's good arguments on both sides. I don't know where exactly I lie. Honestly, I, I'm 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 drawn. I'm I'm pulled in both directions at times, different times. I think about different ways that uh, what makes most sense. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, I respect her for 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 taking this and taking this on um i don't know how much it's going to change things but we'll see i think this is an ongoing ongoing effort on her part um but i'm not sure what how this is going to pan out yeah we got to exactly. let it play out you know her last fight yeah. was 12 three minute rounds and it was the first time we've ever seen that um in a unified title fight it, had, it has happened in in other women's fights but it was the first time it went the distance i was there on the call ringside and uh you know, it, it was a fun fight. I mean, there are some fights that should be 12 three-minute rounds. There are other fights that, sh yeah. that should be 20-minute fights. There are men's fights that should be uh, 10 two-minute rounds. Uh, and there are some women. So you can't pick and choose. But I think with Serrano, the thing I like the most is it, it's let's choose. Let's have a choice. Let's have the option. Right. Both parties have to agree to it. So if, if if Serrano ever fights Katie Taylor again, they can elite part of the negotiations. That fight be, should be twelve threes. Right, that should be twelve threes. And if Taylor's down for it, and Serrano's obviously down for it, then you make an agreement. They're not saying that all women's fights should be twelve three minute rounds because right. there is a the argument against it is that it's too, the 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 talent pool is too shallow. Uh, the, not all the fights should be that long. It's the the you know the like, money the money, the money like, involved of her. It, it should yeah. only be for the highest level. Like Katie Taylor, well, but Caleb Mayer's talking about it now too with the fight with Jonas Natasha Jonas. Like that that makes sense. I mean. Right. They're, they're both high level. I could I could understand them doing that. But again, like you said, both parties have to agree. Right. And the WBC is just steadfast on. No, we won't even let you even choose. Um, it's an interesting move from the WBC. You know, they're usually these sanctioning bodies go follow the money uh, for this time. They're kind of standing. It's like two two entities that are standing their ground. Amanda Serrano standing her ground gives up the belt. Uh, that's a pretty big deal in the boxing world. Uh, symbol symbolizes a lot. And then you have the WBC saying even to this day. Unboxing scene, you can see the headline. Like we, we're not, we're not budging. Suleiman says we're not budging off of this. So it's interesting. And you talked about Chris, um, who's next in line because Amanda Serrano gave up the WBC belt. Sky Nicholson is the mandatory um, for Amanda Serrano, and she put out a little subtweet yesterday um, that if you read between the lines, she believes that you know Serrano does not want to fight her. Um, you know, the minute that you know she could have claimed she could have gave up the belt a lot earlier. Uh, but the minute she was named a mandatory, then uh, to fight me, she was out out, out the window. I, I certainly don't think that's the case. I, I don't think that really makes much sense because Serrano is going to go on to fight Katie Taylor. And, you know, no offense to Sky Nicholson, that's a much tougher fight. 
for Amanda Serrano. Like Amanda Serrano's looking for bigger fights. Like maybe she will fight um, Scott Nicholson one day, but it's just not going to be next. And kudos to Scott Nicholson because she could have took a vacant belt. She's not fighting Sarah Mufud for the title. So she's not accepting a, a vacant belt, Scott Nicholson. She's going into the ring with Mufud uh, sometime in 2024. But I thought that was interesting. It's like a trickle effect to all this with Scott Nicholson and Serrano, which I think is like a decently commercialized fight between the two. It's just not going to happen next. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, uh, it's I don't think a man is running from anyone. I certainly don't think she's running from Sky Nicholson. Um, and we had said that where Amanda is in her her point of her career right now, she's looking for the biggest money fights possible. I don't think Nicholson is going to be uh, someone that's going to garner that kind of that kind of bottom line. You know, she's looking at the fights with Katie Taylor, uh, well, Alicia Baumgartner if he if she's able to come back, uh, Michaela Mayer. You know, like the the, the big fights. Um, yeah. So I don't know that that, that that's. I mean, listen. Every fighter has got their own their own stance, their own perception, and and part of that is 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 good for us. We need to have that mindset. Right. So you know, good good on Sky for having that mindset that you know she's the baddest chick in the world. Cool, but she's getting a title fight now, and she's got a tough one in front of her. My food is no is no pushover. You know, she went she went the distance with Amanda Serrano, which is a feat in and of itself, um, although not as much lately. Um, so it's not that's not a walkover either. So she's got to yeah. go out there and she's got to perform. Uh, winning a world title is not easy. Um, it's a little different. You know, the, the women's talent pool is a lot smaller. That's why Sky Nicholson is getting this opportunity so early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got some drama. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were people responding to Nicholson's subtweet like, you're delusional. And then in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, you, you almost have to be delusional to be a professional boxer. You have to have a lot of self-belief. Oh, absolutely. You have to absolutely. Se- right? Self-belief, a little bit of delusion. You got to think that, you know, even if it, you, the odds makers aren't going to uh, be on your side in a fight with Serrano, you have to think that you're going to do it. So I understand both sides of the, of, of the coin here. Serrano wants bigger fights. She's told me that numerous times, the bum garners of the world. The, the third fight with Katie Taylor, or second fight with Katie Taylor, I should say, should be the one that she's going for. They don't need titles or belts at this at this point. And then you have Sky Nicholson who just wants a title and just hungry. So that's what's going on in uh, women's boxing. Uh, some headlines there. Um, if you saw this, ESPN Knockout is reporting that Canelo is considering Jaime Munguia, Jamal Charlo, and Terrence Crawford for May, and then Benavides for September. Now this is something we talked about ad nauseum here on the show. Like we have, I think we're both in agreement, Chris, that like Canelo should fight Benavides next, but it, in like business wise, the third fight of the PBC deal is the spot. If if you want to look at it that way, as fight fans, I want to see it next, of course. But it seems like Benavidez kind of got that writing on the wall, and he's looking for a, a Charlo too. But Canelo Munguia is being thrown out there, and Munguia is now fighting Ryder in late January. It's a quick turnaround from Munguia to go right to May. Jamal Charlo, I, if, I wish he was more active. He looked decent in his comeback fight against Jose Benavidez. I mean, this isn't like big news or it's nothing shocking, but I, I don't think we're going to see Benavidez Canelo in May. No, uh, but but we got a lot of drama going on. <laughs> it's a drama in the last the last topic. We got drama here too. So, you know, it kind of broke that we were going to see Mungia and Canelo in May uh, like two weeks ago or so. And then it broke a couple days ago that it's going to be John Ryder Mungia which I originally thought was going to be the May date. And I'm like, what is that makes no sense. But now it turns out it's going to be January and the Mugia is, is slated to then with, with a win there, move on to fight Canelo in May, which is what I think is going to happen. Uh, you think he can bounce back inter- that quick? 
it's it's risky. I'm not sure why they're doing it exactly, three which months. is why I said it's dramatic. And riders, it's three months because it's the end of January and it's early May, so it's really three months, three which months. is a very fast turnaround for a big fight. <clears throat> and listen, Mugi is not the hardest guy in the world to hit. Right? He has he he has tough fights, and also he's fighting a southpaw, so the chances of head clashes way up. And Ryder's gonna know, get very, in there, man. He's gonna be in the pocket. Very, like, hell yeah, he's a very good inside fighter. He's a physically strong guy. His nickname is the Gorilla for a reason. Like yeah. he he got all up in Canelo's ass, got his nose all red <laughs> from uppercuts. Like yeah. that that's Ryder's no easy easy touch for anyone, especially Munguia. But that, that besides besides the point. Um, so then we I had the chance to interview David Benavides last week for Pro Box TV. Mm-hmm. David had a brilliant idea. Yeah. He goes, "Why don't I fight Charlo around when Canelo fights Munguia?" That removes him as a potential opponent for September, leaving one less guy that Canelo could pick instead of me. Man, that's smart. If he was able to make that happen, that would be awesome. Because one, it would put so many eyes around both their fights. It would elevate both guys. It would Mm -hmm. elevate the Benavides and Charlo fight, which honestly, I don't think is a bad fight at all. And it would elevate the Munguia-Canelo fight, which honestly, I don't think is a bad fight at all. And then it just comes to that crescendo where both of them meet in September with you know, uh, assuming they're both going to win, man, that's like, that's like 80s stuff. That's good. You got, plan. You got Leonard watching the Hagler fight, you yeah. know, like, like back in the day, that, that that's awesome. You, you set them up on separate cards or you put them on the same card. Like this, it, I don't know. That's that. I think in a perfect world, I think that makes a lot of sense, but I'm also, I'm turning into optimistic CA because we had <laughs> such a good year in 2023 that the chances of this happening, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, tw- usually boxing how it goes. It's one good year followed by one subpar year, and then another good year, or just, two or three. Right, <laughs> or two or three bad. I don't years. know. I, I don't see that happening per se. But I just think there's there's just too Damn many it. too many ducks. No, I I see that plan that Benavides is happening. I don't see a, a fall off happening next year because there's just too many stars aligned under the, the same banners. Um, that's a great move for Benavides. I mean, I, I would like to see if PBC would be down for it. Because I feel like if you're Al Heyman in the PBC, who are you listening to more, Canelo or Benavides? They're going to listen to Canelo. And they're going to yeah. say they're going to go for Canelo's uh, wishes, not Benavides's wishes. But if they're interested in making money, which obviously they are, that's why they're in the business, that plan that Benavides has with a Charlo in, let's say, you know, April, late April uh, or mid-April uh, against Benavides. And then you got Canelo Munguia May 5th. And that's that's a brilliant move. That sets up momentum. Like there is momentum right now for Canelo Benavides by far. Like you don't need to draw this out even more. But if you want to keep Canelo happy with his with his plan and to fight him in, at the end of the of the deal, th- then so be it. And one name that's not being mentioned at all. It, it had a lot of momentum at one point was Terence Crawford. You know, I, I kind of put that. It's the percentage points on that are, are dwindling by the day. It was a hot fight after Crawford uh, was calling for it in the summer. That one seems less and less likely, but who knows? I hope so, because I think anyone who knows really knows boxing is not that interested in that fight. There'll be a big crossover demand for that fight. Yeah, because I get I, I get so many people who ask me like, "Hey, what about this guy fighting this guy?" I'm like, "Well, they're five weight classes apart." Like, and I'm not just talking about this fight in particular, because fight fans don't understand that they don't understand weight classes at all. People who are well, non fight fans, people who are on the outside, so that fight to them is just like big name, big name, mm-hmm. awesome, awesome fight. No, it's not necessarily an awesome fight if you you know you put Mike Tyson with uh you know Lomachenko, I don't know, Bernard Hopkins. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like no, it's not an awesome fight. Um. But yeah, it's uh, uh I don't know. I I I don't want to give too much power to that one. I because I, I don't want to see that. We 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 have 
David Benavides, Canelo Alvarez. That's right. the biggest fight that can be made right now. And it's wild that it's taking this long. But I just wanted to go, go back a little bit and touch one of your points, Dan, about who are you going to listen to, the Canelo or Benavides plan. They might be the same plan. Mm. And that's the thing. It doesn't really matter what Benavides does. It's whatever Canelo decides. Canelo's plan may be everything that we just said, and in which case is going to happen. Yeah. But Canelo's plan might be something else. And then that's what's going to happen. Yeah, right. There, there, there's no way that Benavides is going to be able to force this fight onto Canelo. If he doesn't want the fight, the fight's not happening. Sorry, well, guys. Yeah. And if Canelo does fight Munguia, um, Benavides has to fight someone in the first Correct. quarter. And Charlo. He wants be, to fight, though. He wants to stay busy. Right. And Charlo will said. be on that short list. And I know that Charlo wants, uh, Plant wants to fight Charlo, but Plant might be on the outside looking in because he's coming off of the, the loss to Benavides. Um, so a lot of moving parts with guys around the same weight not named Terrence Crawford. Who knows? That Terrence Crawford fight could be uh, a way for PBC to keep uh, get Canelo into another deal. You know, once this three-fight deal, say Canelo fights Munguia, and then he fights Benavides, and then Crawford goes up to 154. He, he moves up the weights that he should, not going from 147 to 168 in one jump. He fights Spence again at 154, takes on a zoo at 154, and then you maybe build a little bit more towards a Canelo Crawford fight, which would be sort of a kind of a cash out for both guys. And we're looking so far ahead at this point. Canelo has to beat Benavides and Crawford has to keep winning too. So maybe that's a way for it to happen where, you know, that fight seemed like a like a sure thing over the summer. It had so much momentum and now um not so much, which I'm okay with. I, I really want to see Canelo Benavides, and I think all boxing fans want to as well. I would assume most people are on the same page with us on that one. As long as there's like some assurance that Canelo will fight Benavides in September, which you can't do in boxing. There's there's, there's never an assurance. There's never boxing. an assurance. The closest thing we got was when like when Canelo or Canelo went into the ring after Triple G. I forgot which fight it was, and they had a presentation, and you know it was a way to do it. But that was after the fight. That was after uh, Triple G's win. It wasn't like before the fight, so there has to, maybe there'll be something to keep the fans placated. But then again, boxing fans they'll they'll just wait and they will watch in September. They won't be happy, but they're still gonna watch the, the, that fight. Uh, so that's well, you going. and I are gonna be watching anything. So that's <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching literally. I'll be watching a fight on my phone from a dance floor this weekend. So yeah, we yeah. will watch literally quite literally anything. Speaking of that fight, here we go. Preview time. Regis Pro Gray, Devin Haney. This weekend, it's the Wiley Vet champ versus the young stud. It's the Southpaw versus the Orthodox fighter. It's the boxer versus the brawler. A true pick em fight, I believe. Vegas doesn't exactly see it that way, but I'm looking on social media. I'm seeing people say, Regis Prograde can stop Devin Haney. He's too pillow-fisted. On the other side, if I see Devin Haney is light years ahead of Regis Prograde in talent. In, he's quicker. Progray is flat-footed. He's slow. He's coming off of a career-worst performance. Devin Haney's coming off of maybe his best performance against Lomachenko. Ton of storylines in this fight. Love it. It's for a belt at 140. Big-time fight. San Francisco, which is not a big fight town, but they sold it out. I love everything about this fight. Regis Progray, Devin Haney. Yeah, super excited about this fight. Happened for a while. Um, and this is one of those fights. When it was first announced, I was excited. But I wasn't sure I was going to be excited as it got closer, but I still am. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this fight. And all those narratives that you just said, none of them are right. Mm. But what none of them mean? are right. Oh, the ones I it, read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones you, yeah, the ones you read. None of those, none of those are correct. You're not like Haney's pillow fisted. He's, he's going to get knocked out. He's not pillow fisted for one, two. 
chances of getting knocked out. I don't really see that either. Um, I, you know, Prograde, you know, he's uh, Haiti super talented. Prograde's too slow footed. This is no, I don't think that's really true either. And and Prograde's been out there saying he's like people are going to underestimate boxing skills. Yeah, and I think people do a little bit, but just because his power is so good, I do think he has good boxing skills. I just think that this style matchup isn't good. That's the only. That's what I see as the difference. I don't think that Haney is this otherworldly talent compared to Progre at all. I think that you know Haney. I think Haney's obviously getting better. Progre is a little bit older. He's he's a little more polished, a little more uh, experienced, I should say, a little more mature in that way. Um, maybe on the other end of mature, actually. But I don't think it's so much of a difference in terms of talent and skill set. I just think that's the way the styles match up. And what are the this- things that Progre are good at, right. and the things that Haney are good at? I lean towards Haney. Yeah, what were you, you going to say? No, I was going to say what the the styles would be a southpaw in in Progre who moves around a little bit. Um, he doesn't fight like a southpaw though, and that's right. one of the things I think a lot of people are saying. So, well, Haney has problems with southpaws. Like, yeah, but Progre doesn't really fight like a southpaw. Progre actually has a very throwback old school type st- style. He 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 fights a little bit hanging over his right. front foot. He's got this offbeat rhythm, broken rhythms, head movement. And he's very reactive from the outside. Doesn't jab his way in. He's actually a better, more of a counterpuncher. He's uh, what uh, Jack Dempsey used to call it, aggressive defense. He comes forward with that head movement, works his way in that way, using that athleticism and and those reactions to create openings for his power shots. The problem with that is that Haney's such a good long-distance, middle-distance fighter. And then when you do get inside, listen, Haney's actually going to be big for 140. I think he's actually going to be the bigger man than Progre in terms of who weighs more in the ring that night. Because Haney balloons up uh, after the weigh-ins. I, I know that for a fact. Right. Um, he's not a small guy. And Progre is not really a big guy either. So I just think that the way the styles match up makes me lean towards Haney uh, being victorious. But it's still a fight. And anything can happen, especially when you got a guy who can punch like Progre can. Right. Progre with the you know 800 KO rate. And then you have Haney, who I would say his last six wins um, have gone the distance. He hasn't had a knockout since September uh, 2019. Start with Haney. Um Get into a star now. Turning into a star, uh, big time numbers in terms of tickets sold for this fight. It's in his in his hometown. He's from the Bay Area. I love that. Love to see that in San Francisco. A whole new market opened up. But in terms of um, Haney's last five fights, this is pretty impressive. Man, Lomachenko, Cambosos twice, Jojo Diaz, Jorge Linares. I think he's been moved properly. He's getting better every single fight. He shows off something different. Uh, in that Lomachenko fight, whether you had him winning or losing, you can't deny that he put together a great performance going hammering yep. to the body against Lomachenko. Camposos, it was the jab. Jojo Diaz, he got was it the Jojo Diaz fight or was it the Linares fight when he got um tagged, rocked. rocked at the end and, and still was victorious in that one. So last five fights are, are looking good. The one thing I am a little I wouldn't say worried. Um the one thing you can take a look at is Haney's jabs against Southpaws. I know you talked about how um, Prograde doesn't always fight like a traditional Southpaw, but Devin Haney landed only 5% of his jabs, 30 of 399 versus Jojo Diaz and Vasily Lomachenko. Um, so this will be another Southpaw in Rage's Prograde. I'm interested to see if Haney can land that jab on Prograde. I'm not sold on Regis taking away the jab like Jojo Diaz did and Lomachenko did because I don't think Prograde fights like those two. I don't think Proge will be able to get in inside on Haney and take away his jab. So I think Haney will be able to land his jab better. And if Haney lands his jab at at a pretty good clip, then he wins his fight, I think, three, four rounds. 
Not in three, four rounds, he, but I think he has like a three, four round edge at the end. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and just to look past the numbers on those two fights against Southpaw, Shoto Diaz and Lomachenko, got to think about how many right hands he landed. He, he's that. not a prolific right hand puncher. But against those guys, he landed, especially Lomachenko, he landed, especially right hands to the body. He was throwing that's, wicked uppercuts. That's what I was going to say. A good, good point. Because his jab was taken away, but what we saw was a massive increase in body connects. So he got inside and he was able to land those body cuts. So if he doesn't have the jab, Haney goes to, to, to point B, and that's yep. the, the body shots. Well, one of the things about jabs and, and southpaws is the reason why guys don't throw them is it's it's hard to make connection because of the way your gloves line up, right? So if, if anyone who, who understands stances that you've got you know if you're orthodox against orthodox there's a there's a a a straight line that splits the guard for the jab when someone switches sides it it makes the opposite effect Mm. now the jab is hitting glove and the and the rear hand splits the guard that's what that's what that's why they always say with the southpaw you lead with the right hand throw the right hand first so what haney does well is he'll use throwaway jabs to make to make that front hand busy so he can land the right hand whether it be the body or the head or just keep that hand busy and just and, and rack up points. It's just difficult to make contact with the jab, which is why a lot of guys get away from it. But Haney doesn't care if the punch lands or not. He's using it to set up other punches. He's a, he's a, he's a good boxer. He, under, he understands the distance. And I think coming off the back of preparing for a Lomachenko and other southpaw is going to really aid him in this fight. His last big camp was a southpaw. Now he's fighting another southpaw. And if you really look at the numbers, you really want to get deep dive on this. Progre has not fought a lot of righties. Nope. Oh my, it's it's wild. I've never seen someone who has made all of all of his big fights have been against lefties. All of his best performances have been against lefties, except for Kiro uh, Relic that he won the title initially, who was who was an orthodox. Everybody else after that, all of his big fights were were against southpaws. And he's very good at fighting southpaws, but he always struggles a little bit with the right handed fighters. Uh, Even that Juan Velasco, the Argentinian guy, he gave him trouble for a couple rounds. Right. Um, the last guy, Zoria, <laughs> orthodox, gave him trouble. <clears throat> He has trouble with orthodox fighters, and Dan Haney is a damn good orthodox fighter. We'll see how Haney comes out in this fight. I, I, the Lomachenko fight, I feel like, was a turning point for him. Um, yeah. Big-time fight, biggest fight of his Regardless career. Regardless of who you thought won that right. fight. Right, and I hate of his that. Performance. I hate the fact that it, it, I think the further we get away from it, hopefully we look at it as a, a great fight rather than a controversial yeah. one. Easier said than done, but we'll see how. I think that's a good thing for Haney to get past Lomachenko and, and have that camp for Lomachenko. Another southpaw, another big name, got through that one. And now he goes right to 140, and he takes on who we thought was the guy at 140 before the Zaria fight. So let's talk about Progre a little bit. His last five is a little different than Haney's last five. His last five is there's a Zaria fight, which was, I would say, career worst, and we'll touch on why. Um, Cepeda, where he looked unbelievable. Then the McKenna Geraldez red catch. That's when he was chasing the money, the triller money. And he was getting one million bucks to fight Ivan Redcatch and Tyrone McKenna. And he, and he was and he fought once a year. Right. And, all, and they and, were all spread apart. Right. And he he'll, he'll always talk about, oh man, I, I should have been a bigger star. Uh I should be this, I should be that. It's like, well, I mean, no one was telling you to you had to fight Ivan Redcatch. You were chasing money, which is fine. Like it's fine. But you there were consequences to not, you know, playing the game and and, and going for titles. You didn't get your title shot again until Cepeda when you were 34 after that title after that title shot with Taylor in 2019. So, I mean, I think his career has been strange up and down, but it's still up and down because that last fight with Zaria, with with Progre. Was that an aberration, the Zaria fight? Was that a, th- a sign of things to come? Or is Progre more like what we saw in the Cepeda fight? 
I've I've been one of the guys who I've I have not been coming down on on Progray on that fight. I just think he had an off night. He had an off night with a with a uh, a guy who fought a way that he didn't expect to, and also a guy who can really punch. I was ringside calling that fight, and Zuria can punch, man. I can, you can just tell, especially when you're ringside. Guy a guy can punch. He was throwing some heat, and there was a knockdown scored on Progray that wasn't wasn't counted. That was a legit knockdown early on. I think it was the second round. Difficult style. The guy was moving a lot. The guy was fighting from the outside and, and boxing kind of awkwardly, and he had power. So awkward strong is the worst kind of strong. And um, I think he just had an off night. Fighting at home, which I've done many times, is very, very difficult. But it may add pressure that he hadn't had in a long time, especially at this level. First fight with Matchroom, added pressure. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of pressure to perform. So I just think it was an off night. I don't I don't think we can define uh, Regis Progray by that fight at all. Yeah, I, I do think the hometown thing had a lot going for it. Just came off that huge win for Tata, and it was. I wouldn't. It's like a trap fight. Like you see this in in NFL, like a trap game against the you're, you're like a playoff contending team. And then they have a big win. Then they next week they're playing a crappy team, and they're looking forward to the week after that. I think he was looking forward to some of the names out there, like a Haney. Uh, he was looking at Broner at one point. He's looking to make that like game changing money, and and I hope he gets it in this fight. I, I think he'll get paid handsomely for this one. There's bigger fights out there for Progress should he win. I do think that Zaria fight was an aberration uh, because mm-hmm. of a lot of things. A lot of variables went into place there. I do think he is closer to the Cepeda fight where I thought he looked like a world beater. He I mean he was mixing that that awkward style. He was and it was a beautiful thing to watch. When he's on his yep. game program, it is so much fun to watch because you don't exactly teach that style. He's in and out. Right. The thing that that, that that goes against it is 35 years old and how long can you fight with that herky jerky style where you're d- depending on reflexes on defense uh, rather than placement. It kind of has slow feet. It's one criticism of of Progray, but he makes up for it with the game-changing power and being funky. Uh, I don't know. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes this fight fun is because Haney, 10 years younger, uh, but Progray just has all, so much uh, grit and, and uh, you know, he's a vet. So that's why I, I, I think Progray will put together a solid performance. Yeah, and that's why I said that Progray has a throwback style. You know, he's, he's got something that we don't really see often. That's why it's so fun. But we also got to remember, Chon was not a young man when they fought. Still powerful. Yeah, no, still good. And Sean had moments early in that fight. He landed some really nice punches. Um, uh, but, you know, Sean had had been through the meat grinder of, of trying to win a world title for a very long time. And that was his pretty much his last chance. And he took quite a beating from Progray. Progray put in a very good performance mm-hmm. against him. But also, that was Sean at 34, 30, whatever. And, the, you know, Haney's 25 and streaking and coming off the biggest win of his career. And is very, very high. And he's fighting in his hometown. And he's, you know, he's fighting in, in his backyard. He, they're, they're giving him top billing. He's not the champion. That's which wild. Is mind-blowing. I won't M- do Mind-blowing that. to me. I won't do it. Mind-blowing. We're not doing that. No, it's Progray versus Haney. Yes, my tweets Pro-Ray have been like that all week. Yep, we are. We are. This is Pro Gray versus Haney. His belt. Um, so there's a lot of differences, a lot of things that that yeah, Haney brings to the table that that Sean didn't. All right, let's go so for the. We, okay. Now it's just saying. So basing basing on past performances, I think we got to look at this like a whole whole clean slate. Yeah, for Pro Gray. Mm-hmm. for Haney, I think mm-hmm. he's he's trending in the right direction because of past yeah. performances. It's a long time since that Taylor fight. 2019 is when Pro Gray. One of his Taylor. best performances too. Even Full even lost. fight. Phone booth fight, and and then from there it's been some strange fights, and but he's back on top, and now he's in a big one at age thirty five. All right, so for Chris Algieri's Pro Gray Haney head to head, five categories. We'll start with speed. I'm going Haney on that one. Um, not only is he very, you know, he's very fast switch and he's quick, 
Um, but he does it at long range too. So even though Progre is quick and he has fast hands at times, um, he's got a longer distance to travel. So I'm, I'm going speed, Devin Haney. Power department. Both guys can hit, but I think one guy has the power edge. Yeah, no question here. It's definitely Regis Progre. And Haney now is moving up in weight. Um, you know, I, he's never going to be a one-punch guy. I don't think he's going to get more power as he goes up and weight against bigger guys. Will he get physically stronger? Sure, I do believe that's, that that is the case. I think he was killing himself to make 135 those past couple of years. So I do think he's going to be physically stronger at 40, but I don't think he's going to punch any harder. The guys at 40 are big, and they take punches really well, especially compared to 35-pounders. So power, program. Talking about power, how about chin? Who's got the better chin of the two? Definitely program. You know, we've seen um, Haney get buzzed once, by uh by Linares, yep. who is a very small 35 pounder. <laughs> I can't believe he ever fought a 40. Um, I think even that night he weighed like 132 and a half when he fought uh Haney. I remember talking to him and his his team afterwards, and they said, I think we can make 130 again. I'm like, you definitely should, bro. <laughs> uh, and then he went up to 40 and get knocked out. But anyway, but <laughs> that's saw him in Vegas, play. remember he was partying. Yep, yep. So I uh, chin I'm going pro great. Pro great who has fought some serious punchers. Taylor is a big puncher at 140, and he fought him in a phone booth, got hit quite a bit. Took the punches really well. Um, I don't know if we've ever really seen him truly hurt. So in terms of that, durability, chin, I'm going pro -grade. Now we go to defense. These are, according to the numbers, two top 10 defensive fighters in terms of uh, opponent connect percentage and opponents uh, landing punches on them. Haney has great defense. Pro Gray has that herky-jerky defense. We de re Depends on reflexes. Who's got the edge in defense? I'm going to lean towards Haney here, and that's because we're talking about Progray at 34. We, you know, a lot of his defense, like you said, is based on his athleticism, his his reactions, um, his ability to to and and also he kind of baits you. He's baiting you with those punches, um, and it's worked. You know, it's worked for with a lot of guys. But again, I, like I said, that is a chance to pay to fight. He got hit with some big shots in that fight, and you know he took him well because he is a durable guy and he has a good chin. So I we don't see Haney get hit all that often. Um, in the Lomachenko fight, he got hit more than than he has in, in the past. But listen, you're fighting Lomachenko, so it's a, it's a different different level of guy. Um, so I'm going to lean towards Haney. I think um, I think his variation, his defense, his ability to fight at range, his ability to slip and slide on the inside, which he actually does pretty well, and he catches punches, he catches and shoots. Um, I will I will lean towards Haney, but not by much. I think Progray has better defense than than he gets credit for. Like you just said, if you look at the numbers, yeah. the defense is there. But I think he uses a lot of that defense to get himself inside to land his power as well. And then there's the ring IQ. You got a 25 year old Haney who is a very smart fighter, and you got a guy 10 years older who you know has more wisdom, has a little more He's experience. Smart, yeah. You know, so ring IQ. So wisdom versus versus smarts. Um, honestly, I would make this even. I would make this an even one in terms of boxing IQ. If you might think I'm crazy, oh, Devin Haney's got a way better boxing IQ. I'm like, I'm not so sure. the 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 experience of of uh, program I think goes a long way, and and his confidence in what he does is going to go a long way. But I'm going back to the style matchup. This all is it, it. This this style matchup favors Haney in in a lot of different ways. Like, but I've been talking about all show. So I think when it comes to the IQ, hey, you can have an equal IQ, but how is what you do going to match up? Right. And I think that's going to be the point of difference in this fight. I think it's going to match up better for Haney. All right. So there's Chris Algieri's head-to-head, world-famous head-to-head segment brought to you by ChrisAlgieri.com. We got away from these. We got to do these one I know, time. right? I, I know I, I was thinking more because it's like a even fight. There's a lot of even fights coming up. We'll do more of them coming up. Bam versus Sonny. 
Uh, oh man, that dude, that fight. No one's really talking about that fight. I know, which is a uh, I think real boxing heads are going to be talking about it. I'm getting I I have trouble like thinking ahead to fights because we have so much home right. people at home. We do a lot of work it's week for to every week job. fight weekend. So week to week, we job. do a f right right. There is no there is no future when it comes to boxing. We can't do work from too far too far away. So I'm really looking forward to doing a deep dive on that one once we get a little closer to it. But that's that's, that's a tough fight, man. Yeah, December sixteenth, December fifteenth. Jake Paul, Andre August, boxer. Jake Paul going up against a boxer. I'll be there on the call on the zone. Let's look at the uh, betting odds for this weekend. Brought to you by DraftKings. Regis Progre plus 300 underdog. Live dog in this fight. So if you mm. think Progre can go in there and use that vet, uh, you know, that veteran guile, grit, wisdom, and take out the young Devin Haney, you can make some money on that one. Over is 10 and a half. So I think Vegas thinks this one is going to distance. I think so, too. Um, what do we got in terms of props? Regis Prograde by knockout, which mm. if you go on Twitter, there are some people out there who are still not sold on Devin Haney. Uh, plus 650 for Prograde stopping Devin Haney in this fight. I don't see that happening. Devin Haney by decision is minus 250. Devin Haney by knockout. He hasn't had a knockout since 2019. Plus 750. A draw. Plus fourteen hundred. Haven't had too many of those this year, which is a good thing. Um, so those hmm. are your betting angles there. I, I don't know yet. I haven't really taken a look there. Um, I do think Haney will win by decision, but I the if you're feeling like sprinkling some money on a live dog, I think Regis Progray plus three hundred is pretty good bet. I was really surprised at the at the lines. Um and I hate agreeing with Vegas lines, <laughs> but I, I do my I do, money recently. Yeah, I do. I do agree that you know Haney's the favorite and should be, but um, that's yeah, that's that's a that's a good number. Yeah, that, that three hundred. Uh, I'm not mad dog. about that. So He's a live very dog. live dog. And listen, power's power, man. And we've seen Haney hurt. Um, so very live dog, like you said. Interesting, interesting numbers all around. Yeah, if you want to parlay it uh, with the ESPN card this weekend, um, it was supposed to be Tiafimo Lopez at MSG Heisman weekend. It's been that for the last f four or five years. They've been doing that over at MSG, but they moved it over to Florida. Uh, obviously, Tiafimo's not on the card. Robesi Ramirez will be headlining over on ESPN against Rafael Espinosa. This is for Ramirez's WBO featherweight title. He's one of the guys. I like that, he's good. I think he's very, I very like good. I, I think, like him a lot. I like him going up against some of the other titleists at, at 126. Uh, this is what Top Rank does, though. They put they stack these cards with some really good talent. Um, yeah, wide odds. Deep. Wide odds, though. Uh, Xander Zayas is a huge favorite over Jorge Fortilla. We got Richard Torres versus Curtis Harper. I've seen Harper in as a heavyweight, but you know, Torres has been blowing through uh, opponents. Bruce Shushu Carrington's on the card. Jahai Tucker's on the card. Tiger Johnson's on the card. So that's what Top Rank does pretty well is that they'll put all their talent on the same card and they'll uh, do these big, uh, you know, cards over on ESPN this weekend as well if you want to check that out. Uh, that's really it. Uh, prediction. I might go to that, actually. Yeah, it's in, um, uh, where is it? It's in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Yeah, it's 20 minutes for me. I was supposed to work that show. I actually, I, I actually turned it down because I thought I was going to be away this weekend and then things fell through. So now I'm home. So now I'll just go as a fan and watch. Hey, you can't, you can't get away from the sport. I don't really want to. We're but, both being in uh, Florida this weekend. Do you have any advice for me? I'm going to be hanging out in Orlando. Bring your gun. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Orlando, Orlando. I've been to Orlando a lot. That's where all these MVP shows are. This is my like um, fourth or fifth time in Orlando this year. Well, you're, you're going for a wedding, right? Go for a wedding, and the next week I'll nah, be there. I was going to say Jake like there's a good there's a good restaurant I know about up there that uh, yeah I can't think of the name of right now, but I'll text you about it. But I'm yeah, in the wedding going, too. Oh, rehearsal. Oh, you're dinners. in it. Yeah, rehe- best friend Tom Beecher. Yeah. Bring a flask. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll send you one of these. A little, there you go. You the Chris Algieri flasks, the CA flask. Yeah. CA flasks with gold. It'll, 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 have a, it'll have a cigar cutter on it. Attachment. I mean, get this going. Final prediction. I think Haney wins a decision, but he looks good. It's not a, a decision where we're like the Lomachenko one, where there's some doubt. I think Haney has a really good performance. I think he's riding that wave, and he'll he wins it like a seven uh, eight four type of decision in a competitive fight. I agree. I think it's going to be a competitive fight, but maybe not so much on the scorecards. And I think Haney's going to establish himself as a as a, an important dominant guy at 140 and a guy that's going to be chasing big, big, big fights, big names. Yeah, that would be a fun part to do next week if Haney wins. Is who's next? Because the guy is riding a, a a wave right now, 140, and there's some huge guys talking about going up to 47 immediately. We'll see. We'll see what he's saying next week. We'll see with that. Next week we'll be back. You guys, another... tune in next week. Yeah, exactly. We'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Boxing Live. Remember, at all times, protect yourself. Stay out of those. I messed up my own saying. Oh, my God. Protect yourselves at all times. (laughs) Keep your hands up at all times. Stay out of those DMs. We're out.